The Battle of Lepanto, or Lepanto, took place on the 7th of October, 1571. It gave us the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, which is on that day, 7th of October. The story of this battle is something that every Catholic should know, and certainly every Christian should know as well. What I'm about to tell you is taken from a very good essay written by Michael Novak on the website Catholic Resources, which you can usually find under www.catholiceducation.org. But first of all, just a brief history of the Rosary, as St. Louis de Montfort tells us. He points out that the Our Father and the Hail Mary were without doubt the first prayers and the first devotions of the faithful, even from the apostolic times. But in the year 1214, Holy Mother Church received the Rosary in its present form and according to the method that we use today. It was given to the Church by St. Dominic, who had received it from the Blessed Virgin Mary herself, as a powerful means of converting heretics. And, of course, we know that Our Lady has appeared many times in history, most recently at Fatima in 1917, asking that the Rosary be said every day. So even apart from the story of the Battle of Lepanto, the praying of the Rosary is something that heaven wants. So let us go back in time. The history behind the Battle of Lepanto could be said to begin in AD 622, when Muhammad set out from Medina to conquer the whole Christian world for Allah by the force of arms. By the year 732, Muhammad and those who succeeded him had taken by force all of the areas of Christianity around Jerusalem and Antioch, and also going into North Africa, Alexandria, Hippo, Tunis, Carthage, and then all of Spain. And very quickly also, they went further east towards India in that direction than Alexander the Great ever had. So the idea of converting the Christian world by force had succeeded by the year 732 in a good stretch of North Africa, Asia and also into Europe in in the country of Spain. For the next thousand years after 622, southern Europe had to give active military resistance to the Saracens as they came to be known in the West. For 600 of those thousand years, a huge sea war ensued for control of the Mediterranean Sea, but war by land was not called off. The Turks who took over the Arab world expanded their empire in all four directions on the map. For more than a century, they made attempt after attempt to take down the largest and richest of the Christian capitals, Constantinople, whose walls they finally breached in the year 1453. And then followed great plunder, huge fires of destruction, 
the desecration of Christian basilicas and churches, murder and torture. Thousands of Christian men and women and children were marched off towards slavery in the East. And of course, the great Hagia Sophia in Istanbul or Constantinople, which has been a mosque since that time, was once a Christian basilica. The warrior sultans who sponsored these Turkish advances in all ways seemed to want to outdo each other as each came to power after the other. In 1565, they launched a massive sea attack on the crossroads of the Mediterranean, the strategically placed island of Malta. They were repelled after an epic siege, which in itself was one of history's great stories. A later northern movement by land was aimed at attack up through the Balkans for the conquest of Budapest, and then in a northeast arc into Slovakia and Poland. The Muslim armies wanted essentially to encircle Italy from the north. The capture of Vienna, and thus the cutting off of Italy for easy conquest, was the prize most sought. Because by 1540 the Reformation had separated the Christian nations of the north from Rome, the Turkish sultans soon recognised that the Christian world was now divided and could no longer fight as one. So the next hundred years or so would be the most fruitful time since the year 632 to fulfil the destiny of establishing Islam in Europe. One of the heroes of this time is Don Juan of Austria, the younger brother of the King of Spain. He was an illegitimate son, but he stood up to the task and he summoned allies to repel the much-anticipated Muslim advance. He aimed at leading a large fleet to go after the new Muslim fleet that had been built, somewhat preemptively, before they could depart from their home seas. After the Saracens were repelled in the siege of Malta in uh, 1565, Don Juan put the Christian fleet of some 200 vessels on a course towards Lepanto. When tales of the awful tortures given to General Bragardino of Malta and his 350 surviving soldiers reached the Christian forces, they were even more strongly in their resolve to defeat the Turkish navy. Don Juan was buoyed by the new resolve that he found amongst the the naval fleet, and now he would be able to keep the vow that he had made to Pope St. Pius V, which was to seek out and destroy the threatening enemy. You see, for some time, although there was no battle, the Turkish naval vessels were raiding the ports along the Adriatic coast of Italy. Don Juan was only 22 when he became commander of the Christian fleet, but he felt confident in his battle plan. He had taken care to have his whole fleet rehearse their roles in the quiet seas of the Adriatic 
before turning towards Lepanto. And also some of the newer Christian vessels had the advantage of cannons on board. Don Juan and many of his men spent spent much of the night before the battle of the 7th of October in prayer. The fate of their civilization they knew depended on their good fortune on the next day. The uncertainties of the changing winds and chopping seas and the speed of the two onrushing lines of ship, ships rapidly closing on each other could create unpredictable havoc. The odds were against the Christians in ships were something like 350 ships to 250, but the Christians had a secret weapon. For more than three years, Pope St. Pius V had laboured mightily to sound the alarms about the deadly Muslim build-up in the shipyards of Istanbul, and the savagery of Muslim attacks on the coastal villages of Italy, Sicily, Dalmatia and Greece was ratcheted up. So Pope St. Pius V had asked that the Christians would Pray the rosary for success of this battle. On the day of the battle, the two fleets could spot each other on the horizon as single masts, and as they came closer to each other, to about two miles apart, only then could any one of the 200,000 men on board the ships catch a glimpse of the lines and the dispositions of the fleets. The Muslims preferred to attack in a crescent rather than a straight line, but the winds at their back and tricky tides from the shoreline to the north forced them to straighten up their lines. Those who gazed on the massive array of ships and sails were filled with awe. One of those to be wounded in the battle, the great author Miguel de Cervantes, later wrote that the most noble and memorable event that past centuries have seen was this battle. Just over 600 ships in two amazingly orderly lines, each stretching three miles from end to end, silently bore down on one another as the distance between them closed. You could imagine a sense of destiny weighed upon all who watched and waited. It would take a long time to give the whole narrative of the battle, but let it just be said that in the centre, the volleys from the cannons out in front in the Christian fleet, destroyed one Muslim vessel after another. The Muslim ships that did not sink were easily boarded by the Christian ships coming alongside because they were built a little higher and they amply supplied not only with boarding nets but even more importantly with ranks of the old-style predecessors to rifles, the arquebuses directing point-blank rifle balls into the unarmoured flesh of the Muslim archers. The Christians certainly had the advantage in their armoury and also in the speed of their ships, but let us not forget that their greatest weapon was the Holy Mother of God herself. In four hours, the battle was over. More than 40,000 men died, and thousands more were wounded, more than in any other battle in history. 
Never again did the Muslim fleet pose a grave danger to Europe from the south. Although Muslim fleets kept busy expanding their bases on the African coast, harassing western ships and territories across the Mediterranean. As news of the great victory on October the 7th reached shore, church bells rang all over the cities and the countryside of Europe. For months Pius V had urged Catholics to say the daily rosary on behalf of the morale and good fortune of the Christian forces, and above all for a successful outcome to the highly risky preemptive preemptive strike against the Turkish fleets. As a result, he declared that October the 7th would be celebrated as the Feast of Mary, Queen of Victory, and a later Pope would add the title Queen of the Most Holy Rosary in honour of the form of prayer that brought about victory in the battle. And later it was changed to Our Lady of the Rosary. Perhaps you've heard that title, Our Lady of Victories. Well, that's the same day, the 7th of October. It is to Our Lady that we can say comes the first gratitude for relieving Europe, southern Europe, from invasion by sea. But she had more to do because the Turkish armies did not give up the desire to conquer Europe by land. And so, for the next 80 or so years, they kept working at that and then began their advance towards Vienna. And in the year 1683 was the great siege of Vienna, which again was victorious for the Christians because they carried standards of Our Lady into battle. And this also gave us another feast in honour of Our Lady, the Most Holy Name of Mary, which is on September the 12th. And I've done a podcast about that if you want to scroll through and find about the story of the Siege of Vienna. Nothing happens in human history without either the direct active will of God or his permissive will. The victory at the Battle of Lepanto came about because God willed it, and he gave to the Pope and the Christian people of Europe, to Don Juan and to his naval fleet, the protection of the Virgin Most Powerful, Mary, Queen of Heaven. So as October the 7th is the Feast of the Holy Rosary, I encourage you again to take up that devotion, to pray it daily. For our world of 2022 is again in need of the protection of Our Lady in many different ways. But most particularly, we should turn to her as Queen of Heaven and Queen of Peace, that our world will be blessed with peace. And may her Immaculate Heart triumph in our own lives in the world, and in the church. O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee.